Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. All right. Well, amen. Amen. So we're, today is the last day for the great command, commandments <laughs> that, that, that Jesus shared uh, for the past couple of weeks, five, five weeks. Uh, we talked about the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we really looked into the true meanings of those, especially in Hebrew. Um, nefesh was a very great word for us to, to see the, the being of it. And then meod, when we talked about the strength, the much, much, and the very much, much, muchness of, uh, of God's creation. And today we're going to focus on the, sec- on the second greatest commandment that we talked about is loving your neighbor as, as yourself. And, we fo- and Jesus found this, um, this uh, commandment is actually, in, you see it in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. I'm sure he knew it beforehand, so he didn't have to look in Leviticus, but that, that's, what we, <laughs> that's what we first see, first see the commandment. So when Jesus is quoting the, the two commandments, he quotes out of Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, and he's also quoting out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. So I just want to introduce it, and we're actually going to go back to it later on. But it says, Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we're going to break up this, uh, today's teaching into three different parts. We're going to talk about what does it mean to love somebody as yourself and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about who is your neighbor and we're going to talk about how to love the neighbor. So we're just going to focus on those three things. And with um, loving yourself, we're not going to go too deep into it. This is not one of those uh, um, conferences about loving yourself and feeling good and following your heart. We already talked about all that. But what we want to focus is when we look at ourselves, we really need to see uh, the way God sees us. And I think that's going to help us because we, we take away from this um, idea who we are that the world shows and who we should look like and how we should act and everything else. And we look at what God has, what truth he talks about us and uh, who we are. So I want to look at Psalm 139.14. We've been using one, Psalm 139, I feel like, every week. It's been, it's been popping up for us. Uh, but I think, first of all, it's just a beautiful um, beautiful chapter, and uh, the, this part really is a wonderful reminder for us. So Psalm 139.14, it says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That, that is how we need to look at ourselves. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. The works that God's done are wonderful. So what this scripture, this verse is telling us that you are wonderful. God made you the way you are, and he thinks you're wonderful. And he did not just put, put the cells together. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. There, there was a thought behind when he was creating you. The perfect way that you are. That's when he looks like. So when you're looking at yourself 
you got to remember, look through God's eyes. He fearfully put you together. He wonderfully put you together. He lovingly put you together. There, there was a joy when he was making you in your mother's womb. It's, it's that, that's kind of the heart. That's the vision that we need to see in ourselves. Right. So when we look at this second commandment, which is part of the greatest commandment, and what Jesus quoted in Mark, I believe it's uh, chapter 12, uh, where he, he's questioned about what's the greatest commandment, and he shares the Shema, and he shares this verse from Deuteronomy. Um, it, the verse says, to love your neighbor as yourself. And why we're highlighting the yourself part is because it's really hard to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times uh, as believers, we're taught to place others above ourselves and it's all about loving others and serving others. And we just pour ourselves out and pour ourselves out and pour ourselves out and we neglect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the nefesh, so we, we have this opinion that our bodies are evil, that you know, we're, we're selfish, we're prideful, we're all these horrible, and we do have a sinful nature, but our bodies are a vessel, our bodies are a tool, um, our bodies are something that God has given us that we're meant to care for. Even, even the law of the Sabbath that we studied a couple of months ago, God instituted that on the seventh day that you would rest and be refreshed. The seventh day is not a, a day for you to go to church and work hard, just not in your job and just not get paid for it. Yeah. Like the, the Sabbath is meant to be a day when you, when you meditate on God's word, when you fellowship and community. The, the Sabbath is meant to be a day of celebration and rest and rejuvenation. And so it's very important to God that you take time to care for yourself and learn to love yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, then it's, it becomes impossible to love others. Mm-hmm. And obviously we start off with the love that God has for us and out of the love that he has for us and learning to love him, he can teach us how to properly love ourselves because you know, we tend to vacillate between this self-deprecating, right? Where we see ourselves as this lowly wretch and we're sinners and we're horrible and we're awful. And there's a truth to that. And then on the other side, we become arrogant, we become prideful, we mm. think that we're, you know, we become selfish, we think that we're better than everyone, and we kind of vacillate between those two, right? And yet the Lord wants us to find this steady path down the middle where we view ourselves the way that he views us, that we view ourselves humbly. You know, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we are, but we also don't spend time groveling in the dirt because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. So that's why this is so important because it's a starting place. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. But how are you going to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself, if you don't know how to do that? So that's why we're starting with that and then working our way backwards. And just to emphasize this point, in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, uh, we're going to read the second half of 29. The first part, he's talking in context about husbands and wives, but he makes this point And he kind of takes it as a given, but I think for many of us, we would say, well, I don't know if that's actually true. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, it says, After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So there's an assumption here that no one ever hated themselves, that no one ever hated, but that's, that's actually not true. I think a lot of us, we, we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see, we reflect and, oh, I wish I was smarter, or I wish I was this, I wish I was that. Um, and we spend a lot of times reflecting on what we are not. Uh, and scripture makes it very clear that we are supposed to feed and care for ourselves, 
nurture ourselves. We should be looking to grow. We should be looking to become mature in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so there should be time and effort that we put, energy that we put into caring for ourselves. And if we don't even do it for ourselves, it says here, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So if you see yourself as a member of the body of Christ, you know how he says, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. Well, even if you consider yourself the least of these, then take care of yourself because as you do so, you're caring for part of the body of Christ. You're caring for Christ himself because his Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah, and we're going to keep moving down. We're going to go into 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Uh, next thing but how many times i feel like when we get sick or we get weak do we say like lord please heal me so i can serve you better right there's so many times um i know just even right now with my uh, with the pain in my knee and i'm like man i just can't walk how am i gonna ride my motorcycle how am i gonna even at at work how am i gonna just do what i need to do as a coach how like god heal me so i can serve you better and and he's saying yes let me heal you. Let me take care of you. But you got to take care of yourself also. You know, like if you're hurting, rest. If, 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 if you're being sick, take the medicine that you need to take. So you, you got you to take, take care of your body for, for yourself, but also for the body of Christ. So you could be used in the way that he, he needs you to use it. And he will, of course, use it in, in any way possible if you surrender yourself to him. But we, we got to also do our, our part of doing what he's given, the wisdom that he's given us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, pause and remember, this is not just a body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living in us, and we need to take care of this temple. We need to honor this temple. We don't just run it to the ground because we're busy with mm. too many things, doing, do, doing ministry or doing uh, loving on people or serving or anything like that and working to, so we can get that next paycheck, that we can buy that new item. And he says, hey, slow down. The Holy Spirit is in you. Pause. This is an amazing creation that I've made. I fearfully, wonderfully made it, and then I put this, my spirit in it, take care of it, and love it. So when we're, when we're talking about this, the reason we started here is that when we're talking about loving your neighbor, when we look at, at the, that neighbor that we're going to care for, serve for, love on, we got to look at the same thing. They are wonderfully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. They have the spirit living in them. That's how we need to recognize them. So we don't look at that, oh, it's just that person that annoys me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that person that did me wrong. Oh, that person who's doing better than I am. Mm. No, they're fearfully and wonderfully made. They have the Holy Spirit living in them. Th- those are the things that we need to f- f- look upon when we look at our neighbor. Yeah. And as we think about this, it reminds me of this, this old song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, right? Pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. And a sanctuary is a, is a refuge. It's a safe place. So God is looking for people where his Holy Spirit can dwell. And you would treasure and guard and become a safe place for the Holy Spirit. So you don't want your body 
to be a place where the Holy Spirit is grieved, where the Holy Spirit is driven into the ground, where you're abusing the power of the Holy Spirit. So to, to be a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit means that you become a place of peace. You become a place of rest. Amen. You become a place of refreshing where, again, the Holy Spirit is not grieved dwelling within you, but you care for yourself as you would a holy place, a, a holy sanctuary, a dwelling place for the Lord God Almighty. Like, that is an incredible honor and privilege. And yet we we kind of see, you know, I've heard so many times the Holy Spirit is like, oh, it's like plugging into an outlet and some sort of power force. Yes. And the Holy Spirit gives you energy to just go, 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 like an energizer battery. That's not what the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God living and dwelling within you and so you're not meant to use the holy spirit as some sort of chi life force that you (laughs) that's not how he is he he wants a safe place where he can thrive and dwell and you can be the hands and feet Um, but again you also have to take care of yourself in order to be good for anybody else what about neighbors that don't have the Holy Spirit in them? We'll talk neighbors. about it. We're getting right into that. You're you're right on point. Nice. No, <laughs> it's a good no. question. That's exactly. This is exactly where we're going. So we know from Matthew five that it, it we're actually commanded uh, to to love your enemies. Right? It says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So the next section we're getting into is who is your neighbor? And Scripture has made it clear that we are supposed to love our enemies. We are supposed to pray for those who persecute us. But in context, in Matthew chapter five. Uh, Jesus is taking each of the, remember we studied this uh, a while back. We were looking at uh, when we were talking about the 10 commandments, how Jesus takes each of the commandments and he raises the bar to another level. Mm -hmm. So he says, you say, you know, it's a sin to murder, but I say, do not call your brother a fool and do not harbor anger in your heart. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, it's wrong to commit adultery, but don't even look lustfully at someone. Right? Mm -hmm. So when he's saying, he says, what good is it if you love those who love you? I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So what he's doing is he's actually challenging us to not only love those who love us, because even the pagans do that, but to love our enemies and, love, and pray for those who persecute us. However, the large part of scripture uh, is actually, we're supposed to, the emphasis is that our neighbor and those that we love are brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I want to show to highlight this is because most of us have probably heard a sermon or many sermons on loving your neighbor, right? How many of you have heard a sermon on loving your neighbor? What is the number one go-to text that is used to teach about loving your neighbor? If there was a parable that's used. Uh, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, right? So here's the problem with the Good Samaritan. So often it is taught that the Samaritans and Jewish people were enemies, And so Jesus is telling this parable to teach us that we're supposed to love our enemies. But that's not actually what the story is telling. The enemies in the story are the robbers. Mm -hmm. There is no, you need to go after the robbers and forgive them and love them. There is no restoration. The robbers are the robbers and they harm and hurt someone and then they're, they're out of the picture. What this is actually a picture of is that instead of trying to figure out who is your neighbor, you're supposed to be a neighbor. And he even finishes, he says, it starts off with the question, the man is trying to justify himself. So he says, who is my neighbor? And at the end of the story, Jesus says, go and do likewise. So he's telling him, rather than trying to figure out who is your neighbor, be a neighbor first. And the other reason why this story I wanted to bring up is important is to understand even historically the nature of a Samaritan. Uh, Samaritans were not enemies of Jewish people. They were 
rivals of Jewish people, they were actually, they had the same religion. Samaritans would have been considered a sect of Judaism. They were partly Jew, yeah. They were, they were Israelites. So historically what happened was the nation of Israel was one nation. They split into two. Judah, Judah was one and the capital was Jerusalem. The other part of Israel, with it, Judah was only two tribes. The other ten were in Israel, and they made their capital Samaria, right? So, but they had the book of the law. They had the books of Moses. They worshipped the one true God. They had, you know, synagogues. They had all of this. But they believed that the temple should be on Mount Gerizim, which was a different mountain that was in Samaria. So the primary difference between them, that's why when Jesus has this interaction with the woman at the well, yeah. she says, my, my ancestors say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. And literally Jacob's well is looking at Mount Gerizim. It's wow. right there. So she's, there, she's referring to it because they're looking at it. And there was a temple on Mount Gerizim. So she's saying, but your ancestors say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. So really the difference, why I'm saying this, the difference is more like how we have divisions between Baptists, Pentecostals, Methodists, mm. Episcopalian, all of these, where they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet we don't want to associate or we judge each other or we hate each other and we don't want to fellowship or associate wow. because they don't believe the same way we do. So the Samaritan would be like that. The Samaritan was not a pagan. The Samaritan was not a Roman. The Samaritan was not technically an enemy. He's saying the Samaritan is actually a brother to you. Hmm. Not only in the faith. They were very separate. They didn't, that was known. They didn't, right. They didn't associate with each other, but it, but realistically they were members of the same faith. Mm -hmm. So what we're emphasizing here is that this, this text is not meant to be used that you pour yourself out on people who are enemies. Uh, we've talked about this before, that we are, those who are not saved are considered enemies of God. And, I'm, and again, God tells us to love them. We're supposed to love everyone because people are made in God's image. But the primary focus that God shows us in scripture is that first and foremost, we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's who we're supposed to love first and foremost. Jesus prayed that in John yeah. 17, that we would come into unity as he and the Father. That right. And that's hard to and they'll know, <laughs> they'll know yeah. us by our love. So we're going we're gonna to share with you guys a couple of verses that, that kind of uh, follows that, that uh, idea. It's, again, this is not something that would come up. We're, we're going to share the, the, the scripture to you guys. And then, again, after the sermon, we can talk about about that more, but uh, we want those prescriptions speak for itself and go from there. Um, going to the key, key scripture for today was Leviticus 19.18. It starts off, do not seek revenge or bear grudges against one of your people. He's talking to Israelites about Israelites. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Even in this, in this verse where we get love your neighbor from, it starts off, your people. Do not bear a grudge against one of your people, the Israelites, your tr the people of the tribe. So that's the commandment. The, where this love your neighbor as yourself comes from is from the commandment about Israelites loving other Israelites as your, themselves. Mm -hmm. So, again, we're, we're looking at Scripture. Scripture itself, we don't need to add to the Scripture. It does itself or by itself. Next one is Galatians 6.10. So Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So again, we want to emphasize we're not saying not to love 
others, meaning those outside the church. We are meant to love those and seek and help save the lost. But it says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. But then it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what we see here is this priority needs to be given. We have limited time, limited energy, limited resources, and we can't just pour ourselves out where, without a sense of direction. So we're supposed to actually spend the majority of our time not loving and serving people who are out there. Again, we should do that as we have opportunity. But most of our resources, our money, our time, our energy is meant to be building the body of Christ, building mm-hmm. community, loving those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, those who belong to the family of believers. And this is where we get off compass because we're all about the harvest that's out there. We're all about growing the church and growing the numbers. And, and we, what happens is, is then you have people with church hurt, people who feel burned out, yeah. people who've been part of a community for 10, 15, 20 years, and no one even knows their name. Mm-hmm. No one notices that they're missing. Yeah. You know, they're out there. I have actually been in places where uh, we had a ministry to the homeless, and the leader of the homeless ministry was actually homeless himself. He was bouncing from relative to relative sleeping on their couch. Wow. But he didn't see himself that way until we had a conversation, and I sat him down, and I was like, we need to do something for you. Like, you cannot... You cannot be leading this ministry to the homeless and the church not take care of you. Like right. this is this is a problem. We our priorities have gotten off track. Mm-hmm. And so part of our heart with this church is, you know, we've shared the financials and things with you about that. But we want to give and we want to serve. We want to help with missions. We want to help with those who are hungry and those who are poor. But our first priority as pastors and our first priority as members of this church is to care for our own first. So there should be no need, there should be no hurt among us because we should be taking care of one another. That was my question, because I said, you said, neighbor, what about the people without the Holy Spirit? Then you came up right away with uh, my enemies. Well, if I had any enemies, they could have the Holy Spirit with them too. To me, the Holy Spirit is somebody who's a a true Christian believer in Christ. Not necessarily my enemy. My enemy could be a a, 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 have the Holy Spirit in them. So I'm not talking about exactly what you just said now. What about the, uh, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit kind of people? You know, the the not, you know, that, you know, the non-believers. I understand that we we should strive, but prior that was you, you hit it. I, I didn't even know that we take care of our own first. Yeah, and, I, like, and you know exactly. And we need to understand that as we take care of the church, the church is going to able to share more. The, the exactly what church was saying was saying about that person. He he was serving out of an emptiness. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't serving to the fullest. So if we take care of our own, they're going to able to go sure. out. If, as, as we minister to, to those in the church, they're going to be able to minister to others because they're ministering out of fullness, overflow. He mm-hmm. talks about giving out of the overflow um, of what you, what you have. And that's what we want. We don't want to give it out of, the, out of the emptiness. That's why we want to pour into you and then you come out and I want to minister to this way and I want to minister to that way. We get, you have that freedom to do so. Because you're not empty at your own church, you know, at the body of Christ, but the, your, your, uh, the body of believers are pouring into you and empowering you and strengthening you and everything like that. The next verse is Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 uh, through 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll just read it because it's there. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. 
the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm, does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's why we want to stress this love part of the neighbor. We, we do that out of fullness, out of gratitude. It's, it's like, again, we just went through 10 weeks of studying the Ten Commandments before. We just went through five weeks of studying the Shema and the, the great, one of the greatest law. But on top of all this, and we finished the Shema with, you, do, you can do all these things, but if there's no love in it, it's, it's worthless. So we need to concentrate that this love that we give for one another is very, it's truly important. And again, it's for your neighbor. Again, this is what the scripture is stressing. Um, and that's why we, we want to point that out as much as possible. Right? Yeah. So <clears throat> while we turn to the next one, which is John... Uh, John thirteen thirty four. I just want to share. So it is impossible for us to properly love our neighbor if we first don't learn to love ourselves. And when we are healthy, when we are strong, when we are whole, uh, not that we can't love others in the meantime, but we can't love them the way God would have us love them if we don't first find that wholeness in him with ourselves. We don't have that proper gauge. But at the same time, the church cannot go out and love enemies and cannot go out and love the world if we don't first learn how to love one another. Mm. And this is the, the command that he says. Uh, so Jesus, we already read that he gave us the greatest commandment, right? But in verse 34, John 13, 34, he says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And here's why. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the number one way that we will be a witness to the world, the number one is they will look at the church and they will say, I want to be a part of that. Man, I don't know what's going on there, but they, they take care of their own. They, I want to be a part of this community. I want to find out why they have changed so much. What, what is going on there? And they will be drawn to what God is doing because of the way that the church is functioning. And as many of us would, would fearfully admit, that's, that's not the state of most of the church today. Mm-hmm. And not that we have it perfect, but we recognize that weakness and we're asking God in his mercy and his grace to transform us to have a better gauge in this mm-hmm. and to do this. And that's also why we've chosen to be intentionally small mm-hmm. because we don't know what this looks like. And I will be transparent with my own testimony I did not, years for many years, I did not know how to love myself. I th- was beating my body and making it my slave. I was running myself into the ground. And I prioritized outreach and the church and trying to save the world, which only Christ can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to save the world. And I completely burned myself out. And it had ramifications on my family as being a pastor. And how many stories have you heard of pastors who give themselves so mm-hmm. much that they end up, their family is shipwrecked, their children want nothing to do with the church, Mm -hmm. and you have these repercussions for living that way. And so this is why this is so important, because as we learn to love one another as ourselves, that is when the church is functioning in a healthy way, the way that it's supposed to. And, And by this, not because we're on the corner 
screaming hellfire and brimstone, <laughs> not because of this wonderful soup kitchen that we run, not because, but because of how we love one another, mm. the world will know that we are his disciples. Yeah, and, it's, and you just keep pushing further. In John 17, you brought, you brought that verse up, and I wanted to read it. And it's actually these two verses from John 13 and John 17 are the key verses for the Christian biker unity that we use. I use all the time when I preach about it. Uh, verse uh, verse 23 of chapter 13 says, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity yes. to let the world know that Amen. you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So again, because of our unity, because the way we love each other, it gives a proof that God has sent Jesus onto the earth. So when we don't love one another, they're like, I don't know if this Jesus guy was actually from, from God. Mm. It's literally saying that this is Jesus praying, to, praying to the Father. Let them be in unity, so the world will know that you have sent me. If they're so divided, then they're probably not believing that who I am. That's why it's so important to have this loving, caring togetherness of believers. And that's why we're focusing. When we're talking about love your, love your neighbor as yourself, that's why it's on our hearts to, to push that, that it is for the unity of believers. So that way they will know that we're disciples because we love another. And it's because um, God sent his son to die on a cross for us because the way we love us, because we're so overwhelmed by what God has done for us. We want to be together and celebrate, and we don't want to have separate, any separation come our way. And again, we see that all the time. The reason the Christian bike community started because I saw it in the Christian, uh, and with Christian bikers when they would walk by each other, they wouldn't talk to each other because mm. they were from a different ministry. And we see that in churches. Oh, yes. you're from that church. I'm from this church. Well, we're not going to talk to you. We don't want to do any ministries together. We don't want to do any any events together because these are the people that we're going to reach out and we can put a check mark. I was like, oh, we're just out to 12 people in our community and we don't, you don't, want, we don't want you to take any credit. And that is not so because the world sees that and they're like, they are divided more than we are. Yeah. And that is not the, the gospel that is, should be preached. This is not the, the Christ that came down to earth and that's not the God who is holy and as one in Trinity, uh, that's, that's not what it is. He shows us the perfect unity when three could be one. That, and that's what, what he wants from us. In John, he talks about it and like it's always confusing me. You and me and me and him and him and you and them and us. Mm-hmm. May they be one. As then we may are they be one, one as yeah. we are one. But it, it, it really is. And that's why. It sounds like a rap. Yeah. And that's why we keep on pu- pushing it. So the, la- the last verse that we want to share with you guys about this topic is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. So 11 this, through 13. This reiterates the unity piece that, that my husband was talking about, but it also just gives us some perspective. Uh, this is Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 11, and we'll read on. I'm gonna see, we're going to kind of skip a couple verses in between, but I want to share through verse 16. So... Starting with 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers, so that we can go out and save the world. That's not what it says. No. <laughs> to, prepare, to prepare God's people for works of service so that they can go out and save Amen. the world. Amen. 
no. No. Not what it says. Oh, man. So that the body nope. of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Praise God. So God is looking for us to become mature. He doesn't just want people who get the get out of hell free card. He, he wants people who are rooted and mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then it goes on. I want to read verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined, together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So again, we're not saying God has obviously sent us. He says, go therefore and make disciples. He sends us out into the mission field. But the emphasis over and over and over again in scripture is that the bulk of our energy, the bulk of our time, the bulk of our resources, and the way that we love, our number one priority should be those brothers and sisters in Christ, the members of the body of Christ. Yeah, but again, we just you guys heard what we're supposed to be doing. We as pastors in this church, we're here to instruct you and prepare you to do the works that God put on your heart. We're not going to sit there and like, you should go do this and you should go do that. No, we're going to teach you the word of God and we're going to speak over you and pray for you and love you and point you in the right direction when you need it. And you're going to go out and do what God put it on your heart. With our support, of course, we're going to be there for you. We're going to pray for you. But that's our job is not to start different ministries. Our job is to start. We started a church by God's guidance. We dive into this word. We pray over it. We cry about it. We sit there till 1 o'clock in the morning like we did we last fight. night. We fight because, the, <laughs> because sometimes the word separ- separates us and everything else. But then we give to you and empower you to do the things that God has, has to do. And if you're lacking anything, we're here to provide more instructions through the word of God. Not through our own little knowledge. It's through the word of God. We're going to say this is what the word says. And if, when you need accountability, we're going to poke you and tell you, hey, do good, good works. Stop doing what you're doing. Okay, that's what we're here for. But we're not here to start our different ministries. We are here to empower you, to encourage you to do the will of God. Amen. That's what we're here. So we wanted to kind of point that out. So how do we love the neighbor? So we're going to move on. Are you still on, on this one? No. Okay. So how do we love our neighbor? How do we love our brothers and sisters? I'm going to look into 1 John 3.16 and at 3.18. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. I don't think you're going to turn to that one. First John. First John. Oh, John. first John. You, you're not saying John 3, 16. He tricked you. He tricked you. Ha-ha. 16 through 18. That one is a good one, too. Similar themes. There's love. There's love. In John, there's love everywhere. If you want to feel loved, go to John. He, he will lay on your bosom. <laughs> All right, so 1 John 3, 16, and again, we're going to read through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and see his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. And I love how John breaks it up. He first says, if you love somebody, you're better ready to lay their, lay their life down for them. And you're like, whoa, that's a lot. He's like, all right, if you see them hungry, how about you feed them? <laughs> Can you handle that? Right. At least handle that. But don't just say, 
In James, it talks about it when you see somebody naked or hungry. Oh, I'll just pray for you. Go and be well. No, you got to feed them. You got to clothe them. So when you hear somebody in the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters saying, hey, I'm lacking this. It's not the time for you to say, I'll be praying for you, which is wonderful. But how can I stand next to you? How can I love you? Sometimes it's sometimes it's easier to be like, hey, I'll take a bullet for you. All right, cool. Can you help me move? Because it's just kind of, ah, you know, I'm busy. My back hurts. It's like, no, just let's, let's do some kind of action to Faithful actually. Faithful that works is dead kind of thing. Amen, exactly. Not that works that, is anything but faithful. Yeah, it's exactly. That's the, the chapter of James that we're, I'm talking about. It. So that's what it is. It's got to be action. It's got to be love. And sometimes we, we do point, focus on that first part, laying down our life for them. And, God's, and, and the scripture says, Hey, how about you just help whatever the need that your brother has, if you can, out of your overflow, give to, to others. If you're blessed financially, bless them with financially. If you're blessed with time, give them your time. If you're blessed with some gifts that you can do for them and they need it, do that. However that looks like, it doesn't have to be something big. It might be just, hey, you, you need a meal, I'll cook a meal. Mm. Or I, I can't. I don't have time for that. You need cake? We know a lady. You know? You need to do laundry? Come to my house. We'll throw it in my, uh, throw it in my laundry. Okay? It's that kind of thing. And yes, if when time comes and you have to come between them and the enemy, let's come between them and the enemy. But it's something that the action has to happen and not just this Christianese of, well, I'll be praying for you. There's got to there's gotta, there's gotta be more. There's got to be more. Next one is Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16. Mm-hmm. You there? So we don't, this one speaks for itself. We don't have to spend time talking about it, but it just gives us some examples of what it looks like to actually love one another, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Mm. Sincere. <laughs> Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in Ooh. prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Amen. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Mm. So that is what it looks like. And again, you're going to see, we may have read this before and just thought, oh, this is just how I'm supposed to love others. This is how I'm supposed to love people. Mm. But when you start to see the emphasis time and time and time again, this is about loving God's people. This is about loving brothers and sisters in Christ. So it starts to change the way that you read scripture. Uh, Again, where is the bulk? God does not want you to pour out as though you have unlimited resources. He knows that you're finite. He knows that you're human and you only have so much to give. So he makes it very clear in his word what you're supposed to make your priority. And then out of whatever overflow you have, that's what you use to serve and bless others. Amen. The next uh, next is our church's, church's uh, verses of Acts 244 through 47. The, our... our our church was built in Acts 2, 42 through 47, because we really wanted to dive at the beginning of the church, how the church was. So um, we're going to skip the first two, two uh, verses, but we're going to go into 44 through 47. Acts what? Acts, Acts 2, 
X, not oh, yeah. Exodus. I'm sorry. I said it. I said no, it too. I can't hear anything. I'm sorry. Oh, X. Acts. So it's it's the Chicago accent. X, 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 and X are the same thing. Let me let me ask you a question. No, I thought you said Exodus. Hey, you're not wrong. No, I would have heard that. You're not wrong. So, so verse 44. It's it says all the believers, all the believers. The Christians, well, they weren't called Christians Jeez. at that point. Mm-hmm. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Oh Selling their possession and goods, they gave to anyone as he had needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The point, the big thing about this is the ending, and the Lord we're adding to to the to the church to the believers, mm-hmm. not because of the great worship that they were mm-hmm. having, not because the apostles were just preaching the word, not because right. of the children ministry yeah. and all that other yeah, things yeah, like that. They saw, mm-hmm. they saw how. They saw how they were treating one another. That's they good. saw that there was no need for one another. They saw the relationship they had because they were going and eating dinner with each other. And they were getting together with each other. And they wanted to be around each other because the Holy Spirit was in them. Because they were hungry for, for what God was giving them. Because they had no need. Because the, the church was taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Out of, out of what people gave. Sell, they were selling their possession because they had enough. They weren't selling possession to become homeless so somebody else could be. They had an extra field. They sold it so they could bless others. But that's how it was adding to the believers. That's how, because the outside world saw the love that they had, and they're like, man, I want more of that. So people, when people look at the church, they want to see a healthy church and a healthy members. Mm-hmm. They're like, I want to be part of that, not when they see a hurting members coming out of their That's church right. on Sunday and they're like why would I want to be part of that mm. when you, you hear bitterness and you hear <laughs> conflict in the church so that's why the unity and the loving of, of our brothers and sisters, loving our neighbors is so important and again it starts off from the beginning of loving ourselves seeing who God is and then being able to see who my neighbors are in God's Im- image then it becomes easier mm-hmm. because they're, they're the temple of the Holy Spirit how, how did the people of Israel took care of the temple when it was built, everything, the best of the best was in there. Okay, well, and they gave it all to them, right? The, all their jewelry, all their gold, all their gifts to build that temple. And now we're walking as those temples. So that means I want to give you all my best. I'm going to give you all my gifts that, that I can. I'm going to love on you. My best prayers are going to go out to you. I'm going to give you the best of my time to you so that way you can flourish and you will do the same to, for me because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. So we finish with this, with this challenge that comes from, from Paul, but also carries our heart as pastors of this church. It's Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is the challenge. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to the to your own interest, but to the interest of others. So this challenge is to, if you find any joy in Christ, if you find any fellowship um, through through what He has done for you, the the challenge to us is then to have that same love as part of this body, to cultivate the relationships that God has brought together. God brought each and every one of you very intentionally to this table. Uh, he has called you and he has knit us together as a little community. And so we need to figure out why, why we each have different gifts. We each have different experiences. We each bring different traumas even to the table. And so where one is lacking, another one has surplus. So we have to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We need to figure out why did God bring us together? And that's going to take time. That's going to, it's not going to happen in an hour or two on a Sunday, but it takes us doing life together. It takes us checking in on each other. And again, our heart as pastors is not this pyramid where everything is on us as pastors. And you know, all of you are connected to us, but you don't know each other. The goal is, is that there would be a sense of fellowship among the body of believers and that you would be checking in on each other, praying for each other, breaking bread together um, in a way that builds each other up um, in love the way that Christ and unity the way that Christ intended. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.